0: Welcome to the Adoption Rewritten Podcast with your host, Jamie Weiss and Andi Stanley. Join in as we examine adoption-related books and media and discuss how adoption is portrayed versus the reality of living adopted. Okay, well, welcome back. Today, we're going to discuss a book called You Weren't With Me by Chandra Ipin. Ipen Ipen. I apologize if your name is incorrect. Ippin, Eric.
1: Ippin. Okay.
0: Okay. So similar to the book we previously discussed, The Invisible String, this book is also written for um, very young children and people of all ages as they grapple with the universal pain of separation from those that they love. It says that it can be an evalu- invaluable resource for parents, substitute caregivers, clinicians, and all of those who endeavor to help young children feel heard, understood, and supported.
1: So I wonder how many adopted parents would consider themselves substitute caregivers?
0: I'm going to go with a very small percentage.
1: Okay, well, let's just try and reframe for a moment, if you're listening. And consider adoption as substitute caregiving. Mm -hmm. You may be their primary caregiver, not our, but by framing it as substitute caregiver, you're acknowledging the loss. And if you can't acknowledge the loss and let the adoptee experience that loss the way they need to, and not the way that makes you comfortable, then you shouldn't be substitute caregiving. I do, I do like
0: that term. I like that they used that here. And I think using substitute caregiver could definitely reshape a whole lot of views on adoption
1: and how it is handled. Yeah, and I think that, you know, there's too much time wasted arguing about who someone's real parents Mm -hmm. are. Let's just look at who the caregivers are and honor the caregiver's position and contributions while still honoring the person's family of origin. I've said it better. We could do that. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> we can just do that because I get it comes the tension comes from both sides it's a system that has been screwed up for long enough that there's a lot of resentment built up on and a lot of defensiveness built up on both sides so let's just try to reframe it
0: I think you suited that perfectly well thank you we may need to write I, that down so we
1: can read that quote to you <laughs> and we have it Recorded, so it, okay. it, okay. it, sure, so it, it happened. To... <laughs> I don't have to <laughs> we have the proof. Proof it was on those the fly. Rare, yeah, those scream. rare moments when yeah.
0: So it actually starts with a sort of little prologue. I guess it says for families who have experienced difficult se- separations, we hope this book helps you talk about your experiences and brings you closer. So. All right, Little Rabbit sighed a deep sigh and said, when you weren't with me, I missed you so much. I missed you too, responded Big Rabbit tenderly. I thought about you every day. I wanted you to hold me, said Little Rabbit. I wanted to hug you and never let you go, sighed Big Rabbit. But you weren't there, whispered Little Rabbit. Big Rabbit took a deep breath and replied, I'm so sorry I wasn't with you. We are together now. Oh, OK, I when I found this book, and I, I read through that. I thought, wow, this is this is good stuff. It's kind of heavy stuff, but it's good stuff because. It's acknowledging the pain of Little Rabbit, you know, the loneliness the grief or anxiety that he, he felt when Big Rabbit wasn't there. And Big Rabbit, without arguing or making any excuses, simply says to him, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I wasn't with you. And we are together now, but I'm sorry I wasn't there. And I just thought that was lovely.
1: it's It's funny, because like initially, I have issues when they use like fuzzy little animals because I think that it takes away some of the some of the emotion that weighs down the exchanges, you know, because if it was a father or a mother speaking to a child, it's more immediate. But at the same time, They've taken they've taken away the gender terms so that you can experience it as being whatever gender of the person um, or non gendered person that you have that experience with. So if your separation has been your father being you know deployed for year after year, or your mother being away because she's sick. Or, you know, any person, it doesn't have to be a specific person. So, like I said, my initial thought was, I don't like the bunny part. But then when I think about it, I'm like, well, it allows the child to project whatever person they want onto where their pain is coming from. And and it allows the adult to see that it could be any of us who weren't there. And what you say, too, about just saying I'm sorry, because your inclination is to justify, well, I was sick, or I I had to go to work, or somebody has to earn a living in this, you know, but to just hold space for the child's feelings without making excuses is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, I I do. I think that's a great, a great point that you made about it being being a a bunny a rabbit here that is is not a mother or a father also the, the little rabbit is not the son or the daughter it, it allows them the opportunity to place themselves as little rabbits and insert whoever it is that they're they had missed or are missing possibly
1: yeah has that ever happened to you has anybody ever said just simply said i'm sorry yes yes my dad that's wonderful I'm glad
0: no no excuses no reasonings just I'm sorry
1: and how did that feel for you to receive that
0: that's great and I don't want him to feel upset that he wasn't there although we all feel how we feel about whatever, but you know what I'm saying? My, what am I trying to say? I don't know. My, I have not intended to induce any guilt on him or anyone for that matter. I don't, I don't see any person in my family as the guilty one, you know, it was, I don't, I don't see my adoption as anyone's particular person's fault. I see it as a situation and everyone has actions that they took that were good, bad or indifferent, but I don't ever intend to make someone feel guilty or anything like that, but it still feels nice to hear someone just say, I'm sorry, I wasn't there.
1: So now how does it feel that you made sure to try to caretake other people's emotions in that context and provide them with with forgiveness and, and justification and make them feel better now that you've done that? How does it feel for you to have received that I'm sorry as that little person that was let down.
0: I think it just feels validating and nice having someone acknowledge that what you experienced was difficult because anytime that we as adoptees tend to speak up about the difficult parts of our adoption, we get shut down a lot. People don't really like to hear that. They prefer to focus on the happy, positive aspects. I should say that the things that they believe are happy and positive are not necessarily always the things that are happy and positive for us, but they they prefer to hear the nice, lovely things about adoption and not, not the things that Are difficult for the adoptee because it's seen as being ungrateful yeah so to have someone whether it be the person who wasn't there or just someone else who might hear your feelings about it to say I'm sorry you experienced that I think it's just nice it just validates what you dealt with
1: yeah and It seems to be a universal human truth, if my professors were to be believed, that human beings want to be seen. We strive to be seen. And when you validate someone's feelings in that way, you see them. You honor their existence in a way that's really profound for us as people. So I'm really glad that you received that.
0: Well, and as adoptees, we've gone unseen for a long time, right? Your parents didn't even bother to tell you that you were adopted. So obviously they weren't allowing space for you to talk about it. And my parents didn't tell me I was adopted, but they still did not allow the space for me to discuss how I might feel about it. So therefore all of the Feelings or questions that you have are just stored inside and there's, there's no space to discuss those. So then as, as adults, or at least, you know, for me, and I've, I've heard this from, from other adults, uh, adoptees, we're able to connect with other adoptees that say, oh, I felt that too or I, I feel that too, or I experienced that too. Just to know that someone else understands what you have experienced or what you have felt. It's amazing how that
1: is helpful. Yeah, it's, it's, it is pretty amazing. And for people who are not adoptees and you listen to adoptees talk sometimes and you may hear us laughing about things that you don't think are funny or, or it doesn't seem appropriate because we're laughing about something that might be really dark or awful it's it's because it's such a relief to talk to somebody else who gets it yeah it might be kind of inappropriate sometimes when we laugh at things but we know that the other person listening is going to be like oh yeah yeah I get that so so that first page of this book seems to have had a pretty big impact just just by
0: itself yeah Yeah, it starts off it starts off strong It's it's a good book so all right well Continuing on so little rabbit, he, he thinks about receiving that apology. And then he goes on to talk about his different feelings and, and there's different little pictures of him experiencing being mad and worry. He talks about his, his tummy hurts. I know that's a big one with kids um, adopted children that we may not voice what we're feeling. We may not even understand what we're feeling, but gastrointestinal issues are a big thing within our community. So he he talks about, I don't I don't trust you. I feel scared because he's he's worried that, you know, Big Rabbit's gonna go away again. And then he says, when I am upset, I need you. But then I get mad and I push you away. I don't know what to do. And I think that is is very much a an adoptee thing. A lot of times we are so so confused in our emotions of it's like, I, I need you and I need you to help me, but yet I may push you away at the same time. I may do that because i I'm not even sure how to how to talk about my feelings right now, or I may push you away a little bit to see how you're going to react. Are you still going to to love me or are you going to toss me aside?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of testing behavior that can happen. We talk about emotional intelligence. If if you spend any time studying child development, uh, you'll talk about whether or not a person has emotional intelligence. And it's something that we have to be taught as we grow. And if you are taught to actively deny or hide your feelings, you're learning to inaccurately identify your feelings. Um, If sad means you get in trouble, or if expressing your fear means that you are shunned, and if instead of addressing the reasons for the feelings, the adoptive parent identifies it as something wrong with where you came from you're not you're not teaching a person how to be emotionally intelligent and that's going to play out in every relationship and every there's a reason why a lot of adoptees really struggle to maintain relationships even in jobs like there's a lot of adoptees who bounce from one job to the next or don't know what they want to do with themselves, or you know, because they're having all these feelings and they don't know what to do with them and they don't know how to express them in a healthy way, which means they can't work through them. And that doesn't just happen to adoptees. It does happen to other kids. I know that. One thing we hear a lot as adoptees is adoptees aren't the only ones who experience bad things in their lives, but you have to understand that you're taking somebody who comes from a place of trauma, and now you're adding traumas they're not starting from a place where they have like a healthy before right <laughs> especially if you're an infant adoptee you've never had it before yeah so it's all so. compounded
0: it's not you're not dealing with only this one issue whereas we talk about say separation anxiety you know we see children that have Separation, anxiety, being dropped off at school or something of that nature, right? So that could be any child. However, when an adoptee is dealing with that, it's compounded on top of grief that might even be unacknowledged. It's on top of identity loss. It's on top of being unable to have that space to express emotions. I mean, it's just, all of these different compound issues that seem to just get piled on and piled on and piled on through various different experiences that, that we go through. or that That's what I've seen in, in kind of in my life and in a lot of adoptees that have been speaking up about this It's just all of those things compounded on top of one another is what makes it extra difficult.
1: Yeah, because I, you know, I think I probably could have navigated the death of my adoptive dad and my adoptive brother within thirteen months of one another better if I hadn't already experienced what felt like to the infant me as the death of my entire families. It probably would have been easier, right. <laughs> and And you know the book, it talks, I like that it talks about the different feelings that arise in the little bunny from that experience of the big bunny not being there. And one of them is trust. Trust is very difficult to regain once it's lost. I think any of us who've experienced any kind of betrayal or lack, you know, where there's a loss of trust that occurs, knows that it's really hard to regain that trust. And a lot of times adults, and I'm I'm guilty of it with my own kids, We just make this assumption that because we're there providing care, whether it's remotely or in person, that we're demonstrating our trustworthiness. But to a kid, it's not the same thing. And even as an adult, I know, having experienced such an enormous betrayal of my trust, that it it's extremely difficult for me to trust anyone. So the fact that they're acknowledging that there's this loss of trust and this openness about how this has happened, I think if we adults can acknowledge that and find out what does that child need from us to reestablish that trust, maybe it won't be realistic, but... If we at least know what it is and we acknowledge it. So I'm curious, how does the book, how does Big Bunny address these these feelings?
0: So Big Rabbit listened and then carefully replied to him, again, saying that he's very sorry. And then validating him, saying, you probably felt confused, scared, hurt, sad, angry. You probably felt so alone. And then Little Rabbit goes on to ask him, Where were you? Big Rabbit says, I wasn't with you, but I was thinking about you all the time. I hoped and planned and dreamed and worked so I could get back to you because you're so important and I love you so much. Little Rabbit goes on to still say, Well, it kind of took a long time. And Big Rabbit says, Yes, too long. Again, validating his feelings on that. And he says, uh, Big Rabbit says he he doesn't know what it was like for Little Rabbit when he wasn't there, but I want to know. I think that's important that he's validating him and also continuing to say, you know, I, I do want to know how you felt. I want to talk about this with you. Not shutting him down, saying, okay, I'm sorry. I wasn't here. I get it. All right. Over now. I can't go back. You know, <laughs> that's That's, that's not the way to say you're sorry. It's I'm sorry. And yes, I, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here to listen to you. I'm here to hear your feelings. And I want to know how that was for you. I want to listen.
1: And you know what that brings up for me too, is when we, uh, when we are able and not everyone is able to have that experience, but when we are some of us able to find our mothers and fathers and maybe grandparents or aunts or uncles or just extended family when an adoptee reaches out to family a lot of times we're still coming from this place of little bunny you know you weren't there why weren't Mm -hmm. you there i'm i'm confused and i'm hurt and i'm angry and i don't know if i can trust you And our parents or whatever family member we reach out to, you know, maybe this wouldn't be a bad book for them to read. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to understand that, that we may need to hear those things from them. And, you know, a lot of times you hear people say, well, you know, adoptees aren't owed anything by their parents. They gave you the gift of giving you away to people. Who could take care of you? And they had a tough time, and you need to think about what a tough time they had. And again, we're supposed to caretake other people's emotions. And I'm not saying that we should completely ignore the circumstances. I don't. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm simply saying that we like are normal people in the way that we have emotions. And our circumstances are going to have all these emotions come up in us. And if we hear that, you know, well, I'm sorry, but I wasn't there. But you don't know what my life was like. And and I don't want to talk about this anymore. You had a good life and we don't need to discuss this. And so many of us are, that's what we get when we... You know, it's just like, I'll talk to you, but not if you want to talk about adoption because it's over and it's done and I'm not going to talk to you about it anymore. And that does not generally end well. And, and I'm not saying, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and justify myself in some ways too. And I'll say like, I'm not saying that we should ignore what our families have been through because I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that if you really want to understand where adoptees are coming from, a lot of times we're not coming from, we want to destroy you. We're coming from like, I'm hurt and confused. Did you think about me? Did you care about me? Do you, you know, do you understand at all how much this hurt and just want to hear? I'm sorry. Absolutely. So I think we could
0: probably retitle this book to the, biological family's guide to reunion <laughs> <laughs> maybe
1: maybe you know and like I said I realize it doesn't end there there's also a humility that we need to come to the reunion with you know with kind of a humble approach that yeah we totally get it was probably really hard for you definitely
0: and i think this book also shows that we as the adoptee need to need to be able to talk about those feelings. I mean, but not only do we need them allowed to be talked about, but we need to talk about them. Like we can't, yeah. we can't build a relationship. So if, so if we're talking adoptees and um, reunion or at least uh, an adult relationship with their biological families. I don't think you can build an authentic relationship if you're not able to discuss this, whether that be of your own doing, because you want to stuff it down and, and not bring all of that back up, so to say, or because other people are dismissing or silencing you. I think it's important for both for for us to discuss these feelings and for others to listen to us because that communication is what builds a relationship. That's where the intimacy comes in knowing one another and knowing your, your true feelings. And it, it can be very hard to be truthful and authentic about how we feel for fear of upsetting someone is particularly our, you know, biological family members who might reject us. If, if we ask too many questions, they might just say, well, obviously you're upset with me or that's all you want to talk about is adoption or what you went through. And I don't want any part of that. So they just, they just leave and don't want to, don't want to discuss or even, um, discussing what we're going through in reunion with our adoptive families too you know i mean anyway just all the way around we we need to be able to communicate our feelings that many times we do tend to want to hide but we also need to be listened to and we need to we need to listen as well it's it's any any relationship that you have communication is important
1: well and i and i think again it goes back to that emotional intelligence if we're not taught how to deal with our feelings as we're growing up and we're taught to be afraid of expressing ourselves then it makes it even harder in other relationships whether it's with in reunion or romantic relationships or with our boss if we feel like we're not being treated fairly or you know it just it comes out in so many different ways so if if an adoptive parent or a guardian, or whoever it may be, wants to truly help a person to grow and to thrive, they need to provide a space that allows for those communications. And if that means that you've never learned how to be emotionally intelligent yourself as an adult, because so many of us have not, then that's something that people should consider learning before they become a substitute caregiver or a parent themselves or, you know, anybody who's in charge of small people, if we really want children to thrive. And obviously this is a topic that brings up a lot for us as adoptees. It does, because I think
0: many of us, especially, In an adoption where you weren't even told you were adopted, and and in an adoption where we didn't talk about being adopted in in my home, then we were. it, It was inferred that we should not discuss our feelings on these big issues that affect us. And affect our, our lives, you know. Um, so it, it does make it difficult. I, I have a big struggle with that. As an adult, I have a problem communicating my needs and feeling as if it's okay to do so and that others will will listen and not respond negatively.
1: Cause you've been taught that not only is it not important enough to talk about, but if you do talk about it, you will distress other people. Yes. And most of us don't want to be the cause of other people's distress. So by saying you can't talk about this, or we don't want you to talk about this, we're saying that it has no place here. It's not valid or it's not, reasonable or it's not vital that you process these feelings yeah there's there's a lot of problems with I and I think this is where adoptive parents or prospective adoptive parents need to really 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 closely examine your motivation in wanting to care for somebody else's child and your attitudes towards people who give up their kids. Because mm-hmm. I've met and talked to entirely too many who, at the same time they gush about what an incredible gift they've been given, also say things like, Well, I could never give away my child. Mm-hmm. I could never be one of these people doing this. I could never be one of those people. You know, I mean, just horrible, horrible things that uh, people say. And whether you understand it or not, kids pick up on that. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't really just deeply explored, your attitudes towards raising somebody else's child and acknowledging that that person exists and having respect for them as human beings who were in a difficult place, then you really shouldn't be engaging in caring for somebody else's child. And that's my opinion and I'm going to stick with it and people can take issue with it, but, I've seen the harm that is caused. I'm, I'm kind of a, of the opinion as well that
0: if you can't also have a love for the family of the child you're caring for, even if you don't know them, you may, you may never have met them. You may not even know their names. But if you can't have a love for them, then you should not be. Caring for the child, either. Yeah. If you're denying part of who they are, or you are speaking of them in terms of, you know, those people and things like that, you are also speaking to who your child or this child that you're caring for, who they are. Because even as an adult, once in response to me my adoptive mom said as she was describing my biological family she said those people and I did not react outwardly or respond to her but on the inside I was exploding I'm like those people what do you mean those people and this this is before she ever met my biological family so let me say that the, this is different now, but at the time. I'm thinking, those people are my family. Those people are where I came from. So what does it what does it say about me if I came from those people? It sounds like there are just horrible, terrible people. You know, those people are just so bad. It's, you can't even describe them. You know, they're just no good. And okay, but that's my thing. So... How am I supposed to feel about myself because I am one of those people?
1: Yeah, like I said, it can be big things or small things that impact us. And we may not say a word about it, but we feel it. You know, I grew up hearing, I don't understand how any child of mine could like that or how any child of mine could behave that way. And it was only when I got older that I was like, well, no, Sherlock, I wasn't George, <laughs> you know? I mean, but the idea was that there was something deeply wrong with who I was. And, you know, in hindsight, it's like, okay, I you didn't think much of the people I came from. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and that, this is just kind of an aside. One thing that irritates me is when I hear adoptive parents or foster to adopt parents who will take credit for positive aspects of the adoptee. Yeah. She's Jamie's nodding. Um, And then, and then like be unkind about the things they perceive as negative. So like, you might be really artistic and really a really successful artist And everybody knows damn well that those are not your parents in the sense of like talents and temperament and whatnot. And you hear like, oh, well, she gets that from her mother because mom bought her craft supplies and paid for some art classes. But the intrinsic talent turns out to be, you know, um, dad's a famous artist, but then maybe she um, parties a little bit too much while she's in college and they get a phone call from the dean like your child's in danger of being you know thrown out of college for their behavior oh well she's adopted and we don't know anything about her family but we've heard that there are some addiction problems and you know it's like even if you are a raging alcoholic it's yeah obviously yeah so all the good
0: all it. the good stuff is attributed to the adoptive family and all of the bad traits are attributed to your biology yeah but biology doesn't matter no no of course not no. not at all yeah. <laughs> all right well well the book wraps up after uh, big rabbit again is just validating little rabbit and 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 saying i want to know what happened while we were apart. I want you to tell me, I want you to tell me your feelings. I want to know good things that happen. You can also tell me the, the bad or scary things that happen. And then I want to give you all the hugs and kisses that I couldn't give you when, when I was away. And so it says they were quite close now and are happy to be together again. Basically. So, you know, having that that space and that open communication to discuss with each other seems to be what draws them into this close relationship and allows little rabbit to maybe you know regain some trust and uh, feel feel loved again by big rabbit because big rabbit was able to listen and validate and communicate. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share with a friend or leave us a rating to help others find us. Do you have a book or other media you would like for us to discuss? Drop us a note to adoptionrewritten at gmail.com. We can't wait to share more with you in the coming episodes. See you soon.